I'd like to introduce you to Publica by IAS, the award-winning CTV ad server trusted by some of the biggest streaming services and smart TV manufacturers globally. Publica helps a growing number of AVOD and FAST services to power their programmatic ad break decisioning via products including a unified auction, server-side ad insertion, and a demand-agnostic ad server built from the ground up around streaming. Head to getpublica.com to find out how they help CTV publishers to grow their advertising revenues and provide streaming audiences with linear-like TV ad break experiences. Technically, it's primary season, yet it sure looks like we're heading toward a presidential election that no one seems to want and a race that promises to last longer and be more intense than ever before. So what does that mean for online advertising, considering that Trump and Biden are basically trying to persuade a few thousand voters in key states, and they're doing so in a post-cookie, post-Cambridge Analytica world? To help us sort things out, I talked to Ryan Meerstein. He's a managing partner at Targeted Victory. To help us give a state of affairs for 2024 election season. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next in Media. I'm Mike Shields. I'm here with Ryan Meerstein. He's the managing partner at Targeted Victory. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for being here. Hey, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, really looking forward to getting to chat with you. Same. Uh, I'm excited to talk to you. It's perfect time to do that. Do so um, as we are. Well, I guess I guess we're in the middle of primary season. If there's still races, if we still think there are races, we're we're talking early February. But um, why don't you? Use, we should probably start from the top for listeners. Tell us about Targeted Victory and what your role is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you know, Targeted Victory. Uh, we are a right of center political and public affairs shop. We've been around since. 2009, uh, and we kind of consider ourselves of having a core skill of using digital media to activate audiences. And so, you know, what you know, what does that gobbledygook mean? You know, for us, we we try to view the world through, and, and especially paid media through activation. And, and why is that? You know, if you ask somebody on the street about, or somebody in the business about targeted victory, big part of that conversation is probably going to be about digital fundraising, which is a huge core competency. Z of ours. And so activation ha- has been key. Move to the public affairs space, activating constituents to uh, impact policy. And then, you know, kind of as we move into more of the industry that you cover uh, and, and are most interested in, and we think about changing the hearts and minds of voters, like how do we actually navigate this incredibly complicated digital system to talk to the right people and turn out the right voters? Right. So I was going to say, you're not just fundraising, you are get you are trying to get the boat out. Absolutely. And uh, how long have you guys been around? So uh, Target Victory originally uh, or started in 2009, uh, originally started okay. by Zach Moffitt and Michael Beach. I know you and Michael have had several conversations. Sure. Uh, so we've been in the digital space uh, since pretty early on when it comes to uh, the campaign side of things and definitely one of the first shops on the right. All right. So- Let's talk about what's going on right now. Or what are I don't I'm not sure what you can and can't say. Are you involved in any active 2024 campaigns currently? I know we're obsessed with the presidential race, but there's a million coming up in, in the US and of course, of course, the globe. Yeah. So uh obviously, you know, kind of already moving into crazy season. I spent the last year working uh with an organization called Tim PAC. So that was the super PAC for Senator Tim Scott running for president. Uh-huh. Uh, so obviously that has come to an end and I've kind of rolled off that and now have been more focused on working with our teams to get ready for 2024 in the paid media space, understanding the landscape, 
uh, you know, making sure that they're able to offer real strategic advice to our clients. But I spent the last year buying a lot of media in, in Iowa and New Hampshire. Okay. It's, it, it is wild that, that that is still the way that we do things. We have two states we focus on for like a year and a half and then everything changes radically or doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we, what, we... I think our campaign spent 124 million on paid video in Iowa. I think we had 110,000 people vote in the caucus. Wow, that's crazy. Uh, if you think about yeah. that, the R the ROI in other ad categories may not fly there, but that's the nature of this of this, <laughs> of this business. That's funny. Okay, this is a big question. It might be hard to answer in one answer, but you know, like I'm wondering how this year looks from in terms of political advertising and particularly digital. Considering that we might have this, like, I don't know. It's, you know, it depends on how how long Haley sticks around. We might have a primary season. We might be uh, might be over really quickly. Might be an extremely long presidential race. Um, if if you know, there's nothing distracting these guys from trying to win their nominations, and then you have all these things going on in digital advertising where you in the, you you've got the cookie going away. I guess call it the post Cambridge Analytica universe with. Uh, you know, this wariness of this, this attention on digital targeting, all kinds of other factors. What, what is What is the state of affairs right now? Yeah. So look, I was driving to work this morning and I was like, you know, I should probably check Mike's podcast to see if he, he has added any recent content. And I, I you had just posted you and your uh, podcast partners uh, weekly update this morning. And yeah. I mean, I had never felt more seen when he said, I'm just going to tell my clients we're going to try our best this year. <laughs> that's funny. Cause that's about, that's about the best you can do. I mean, a lot to, you know, a lot to unpack there. I think, you know, you guys started talking about the congressional hearings as well. And obviously yesterday's we're not, uh, about political advertising, but we've seen these tech companies get hauled before Congress multiple times. And a lot of, a lot of times the, the, uh, narrative right. coming out of it is nothing changes. And I will tell you that the one thing that does change is they go back to Silicon Valley and they self-regulate themselves in the political space. So the rules have been changing for us Interesting. since post-2016. So, you know, it's been multiple cycles that we were not allowed to use any data with Google and we had to quickly learn how to better use their targeting systems. It'll be our third cycle where we have this weird dark period with Facebook where we cannot change our ad creative in the final whatever X amount of weeks uh, we have, you know, platforms like X who completely sidelined themselves and then decided to get back in the game. You've got TikTok who does not take any political advertising. Uh, you got, you know, Spotify right. on any given day. I do not know if they take political advertising or not. So we, we have dealt with this incredibly changing landscape. I actually think it has probably prepared us more for today. Um, and, and the deprecation of the cookie and the targeting changes that are coming. I think we will- You're a little ahead probably than others. <clears throat> yeah, I think it is the one time that we're like, we were forced to evolve than others or faster than others. Uh, and I think, you know, long run is probably good for us. I mean, I think that, I think we did hit a point in political advertising on the digital side where we were a little too obsessed with the one-to-one. -one. Uh, it was incredibly important, but we focused- all of our energy there and we were rarely you know let's say we we take this voter file we match it with live ramp we move it into a dsp whatever you know we're losing all kinds of voters along the way let's yeah. say we've got 40 percent. we're spending 100 percent of our time talking about 40 percent, and we're not spending any time talking about how do we reach these people that aren't 
for whatever reason. That you don't, who you don't know, or you don't have a you know direct relationship yes. with. Yes. Uh, and so I think some of these changes, not that we we necessarily wanted them all, but they have forced us, I believe, over time to become better marketers uh, and, and to be ready for uh, this time that is, you know, finally getting here. Uh, and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know that I believe this is the best for marketers. Uh, I believe, right, um, right. you know, I thought what you guys said, you know, I listened to your, your podcast with the gentleman from Google and I felt less than afterwards cause it was, but <laughs> <laughs> well, then it felt so good to hear you and your podcast partner be like, this is too hard. <laughs> right. I thought I was a reasonably intelligent, informed person and I really struggle with that stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, it is really hard. And you know, we, we have to, we do have to jump through, through different hoops, uh, in the political space. Like all of our advertisers on some of the walled gardens have to be pre-approved. They have to go through a certification process, prove, you know, they're an American citizen or that they're, uh, able to actually deliver these types of ads. Our creative, uh, approvals run through a completely different system than everybody else's. Uh, and that's fine as long as it's not completely holding you up and that everybody's being treated equally within those systems. But it's been a mess in our space uh, ever since post-2016. So all, all we've known is is having to adapt every cycle. Changing rules, shifting just yes. kind of chaotic environments. But it's interesting you say that they... Because I think, you know, I was being sort of cynical and jaded, like, oh, the brand, you know, after the congressional hearings, brands aren't going to suddenly pull a bunch of ads because of, um, you know, these Zuckerberg having to apologize to parents and stuff like that. But but you're saying that maybe there's like a, a hidden effect almost the Silicon Valley companies go back and tighten up their own reins just because they, they, they don't want any more heat like this. Is that kind of what happens? Absolutely. If you don't want Congress to regulate you, you go regulate yourself in the way you want to be regulated and then go tell that story. Right. Wow. And so we've seen that in the political space. They they all have their own rules that they come up with that we have to learn uh, and be able to abide by if we want to deliver media on their platforms. Uh, and, you know, there there is a learning curve. I'd say most of it seems to, like a lot of it seems to have been ironed out, but, you know, presidentials tend to heat, get hotter than midterms. Sure, sure. And so we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out as we get closer. It, but you're not seeing, or, or I'm I'm assuming you're not thinking that even with all these changes and maybe some handcuffs on you, that candidates are going to pull back on digital. Like that's not that, that's not something you're expecting. No, absolutely not. Uh, I I expect that candidates will get in fights with different platforms along the way. <laughs> sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. Right. But I do not expect any pullback whatsoever. Is there anything, I know these are not your clients, is, but is there anything really interesting going on that, let's say, Haley's doing that we might not expect or Trump or Biden? Is, there, is, it, is it standard playbook right now? Or is, there, is, is there anything kind of stand out to you? I think it's fairly standard playbook. I think what we're going to see over the next nine months is it, if you think about the timeline of how these different campaigns are going to spend and, and who's going to create all the noise, like, I do think these presidential campaigns are going to be so well-funded from day one that we yeah. are going to see media pulled forward in the time. So they'll start earlier start earlier and last longer. Like Start earlier and last longer solely for those presidentials. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, like it, you know, for the, for the nerds that like really follow the placements of political spending, uh, you'll see like this week, it really heated up among the super PACs that, uh, focus on the house and the Senate. Uh-huh. And I think all of the reservations they made this week were July and beyond. Interesting. Okay. Uh, so I think we're still going to see really heavy back weighting because of all the other races. And I think where I, where I will be watching the closest to see what people do and or see how media buyers get creative and, and interesting and try to think out of the box are the super PACs and Senate campaigns that are in states like Ohio and Pennsylvania, uh-huh. where they have this incredibly well-funded, really competitive Senate race, but the presidential campaigns are there as well. Yeah, and so, so that's, that's going to be wild. Yes. And, and so what do you have to do creatively to actually break through the noise. And if you're a congressional district in one of those states and you're targeted, like you probably have to keep your powder. Dr- I assume most of these guys will actually keep their powder dry until they have a really significant buy they can make to try to break through. It's a little bit of a left turn. I wonder like there's since 2016, there's been lots of concerns about misinformation in different forms. Now everyone's kind of freaking out about AI and it's going, Oh, it's going to get so much worse. We're going to see, you know, just so much garbage coming at people. First of all, is that even, I don't know if that's your responsibility and is that something that you are trying to steer your at your clients' advertising strategies away from? Is that like something that you don't want to be, you know, wrapped up in or is it just like something that's it's part of the part of the landscape right now? I think on the creative side, it's not something we, we really want to be wrapped up in. Do we want to use AI to try to find ways to make our teams more efficient? Do we want to use it on the fundraising side to try to uh, improve how quickly intelligence flows through our system to understand what's working. Absolutely. Uh, but you know, we, the, the largest platforms, Facebook, Google, et cetera, have been very proactive in coming to the political campaigns and stating, you know, if you're going to use this type of content, these are the new disclaimers on top of all of the other disclaimers uh-huh. you need to use. Um, but Look, there's going to be bad actors out there. We saw it in New Hampshire on election day. The AI generated phone calls uh, pretending yep, to be yep. President Biden. Uh, and, and there's going to be people that are going to do things just to see if they can do it. Uh, yeah. And so I think everybody's going to have to be uh, on their highest guard. I think, I think there will be campaigns that do some really cool creative things with AI but they will be open about it. They, they they almost have to be. I would think they'd have to re- yeah. really be upfront and yeah. Plus, either for bragging rights or just to to not get caught, you know, not explaining how that happens. Yeah, but I, I'm not worried about some like rogue video all of a sudden changing the minds of thousands and thousands of people. I mean the 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 amount of noise and overarching. Uh, messaging that's going to be even in the earned media system is uh-huh. going to be so great that it's going to be incredibly difficult to to break through. Right. I do think, uh, so I, I'm not real worried on that front, though, but I do think some of the voice stuff out there uh, is probably where people will have to be on their highest guard. Yeah, that's a little scary because yeah. the technology is already pretty amazing in, in and exactly. way. Okay, what about, I, Matt, I'm going to ask you about the standard playbook. What's it's obviously been a last, uh, the last few years have been huge for, um, 
connected television in terms of ad supported stuff for launching left and right. And it's just a much bigger audience than it was. And the, you know, the vision is that that will be the targeting there will be as good or better than digital plus the, the power of, of TV advertising. I don't, I don't have a sense of whether that is paying off yet. And I wonder if you're seeing candidates do a lot with CTV and if they, can they do the down to the zip code kind of cool, crazy stuff that they like to do? Yeah. So, I mean, we are definitely seeing candidates do a lot with CTV. Here's what I, here's the interesting takeaway I had from 2022 that I don't hear a lot of people talking about. So, okay. When we look at the ad buys that were placed in the political, uh, in, in politics in 2022, and probably speaking more for the right than, than overall politics here, but what I saw was a big increase in CTV, uh, OTT, all streaming. And mm-hmm. I think the common knowledge was that that was going to eat at Linear's budget. Yeah, that makes sense. What I saw, I, I saw it eat at online video and traditional digital digital's budget. Huh. Interesting. I was going to say, is that because Linear, even though it is declining, still delivers a, it's got an older audience that votes? Is that part part of the reason why i I think that is part of the reason why uh i think it is ingrained in us uh i think we have Mm -hmm. an arms war uh in politics with all of our buys being published immediately all of our reservations being published immediately so there's a a kind of a a build-up of you versus your opponent and i think at the end of the day the create the creative on linear and ctv is the same and it's easier for people to wrap their arms around. Yeah, that makes sense. There's still a lot of inertia in this business. I think that is that is the thing that I saw that I don't think was talked about a ton is like, I think CTV is eating at traditional digital, not at linear. Wow, interesting. But it's not, you're right. I, I think across the board, CTV advertising right now is still, it's still pretty standard. Like, we talk about all this interactivity and you know, shoppable ads and those Uber targeting customized. It's still a lot of TV ad, TV ads moving over to different platforms. Absolutely, and, and yeah. even the, I mean, I think you know, we can do some cool things with the targeting, but the majority of the buys are still, you know, slightly better than tel- than linear as opposed to extremely better. Right. Okay, that's interesting. That's probably true for across the board. What What about TikTok? You mentioned they don't take political advertising. Um, do you do you can't you know candidates can be on there themselves or they can I they can work with I, I believe they can work with influencers I'm not totally sure how that works but do you stay completely away from it because it's such a minefield do you have to be there what is your opinion for some from these candidates and how they should approach that thing or not largely what you see on our side of the aisle is people staying completely away from it it's just too much of a minefield it is the most uh, you know any of the incumbent candidates. Uh, that are currently in the House or the Senate are probably working on some type of legislation to either ban it right. or get it sold or do whatever. So so how do you do that and then also advertise on the thing at the same time? Yeah, and, and everybody understands there's a ton of people there, but that doesn't mean they agree with the platform. Uh, right, so, right. So uh, you don't see a lot of, you know, when Vivek went on, that was a big deal. Uh, yeah. And because you just, you just don't see it. And I, I don't believe we have, I, I don't know that I have any clients that are on the platform right now. And, and that's a choice. That is not, it's not like we don't know it's there. 
So they, they, they haven't heard about it yet. Yes. <laughs> okay. What do you, what about influencers? You've seen Biden court, some of these guys, uh, depending on the platform, is that an area, you know, like, is that an area that some of your candidates have had traction would do? Do they want to touch that? Is that also too, too dangerous because to do good, to do good work there, you often have to put your creative in someone else's hands. Like what's this, what's going on there? Yeah, no, we, we definitely do see some of it. I think if you think about celebrity in general, uh, it has largely always been leveraged by the left. Yeah. Um, but it it is something we are seeing on the right. There are platforms, there, there's a company called Urban Legend. Uh, and think of it almost more as, like, I hate the word, but almost more micro-influencer as opposed yeah. to Mr. Beast-type influencer. Uh, but, you know, a, a company where you can go and work with them, you can work with them on the content and the creative and then kind of have, like, a influencer gig economy on the other side. Uh where, you know, you can put restrictions on who, what, when, where, and and really have control over it, but have the ability to work with lots of influencers at once, whether it's because of a specific issue you want to talk about or you want to uh, go deeper with or be introduced to a certain audience that you're just uh-huh. breaking through to on your own. Um, but it's out there. It's, it's not huge part of anyone's budget and i think they pro i think most of our teams right now think of it more in a kind of communications or even fundraising space than they than do pure media spending yeah than they do of a, like a putting it into a paid media plan i wonder you mentioned mr beast i was what i was thinking about him this is, this is a weird analogy but i wonder if if there's only so many mr beasts who are that big right, right? but I, I could see you know, like he he is extremely influential it's not a like taylor swift being cautious and you know not wanting to be you know caught endorsing anybody because she's got a huge fan base like i wonder if there are certain big influencers that just would never they don't even want to go there because it's just too dangerous to alienate half their audience potentially i wonder if, if that's something you're seeing i mean i, I hope they feel that way uh <laughs> <laughs> once you get in the you know once you get in the ring it's hard to get out yeah uh so it's, you know, you see it with even in, you know, you see it with activist companies, CEOs, et cetera. Once you tap in, it, it you're talking years before you get to tap out. Yeah. Ask, ask Bud Light. I mean, how, yeah, like, exactly. it's, it's, not, it's not going away or anytime soon. Yeah. Um, what about, you know, we're obviously going to be very fixated on, on Biden versus Trump, assuming that's the way it goes. What else should we be watching for this year? I know there's a lot of a lot of important races. You mentioned a couple. Plus, there's the, there's the global factor. What what are what are some areas we should be paying attention to if you're not a dialed-in political person? Uh, look, I do, I do think you know we're going to spend massive amounts of money in very short periods of time. Uh, we're going to have two presidential campaigns that will be the most sophisticated campaigns to to ever exist. Uh, I I think. Any marketer, no matter what they care about politics, should be watching those two presidential campaigns and what they are doing in the paid media space. I think that they truly have budgets to both drive message at insane rates and test at the same time. Yeah, the fact that they can test is is that unusual? Like I know you mentioned the fundraising is off the charts or expected to be, but. Yeah, you know, usually I, I, my perception is campaigns can't screw around and take make 
you know, try things, see if they work because the stakes are so high, but they've, they're going to be afforded the luxury of actually trying stuff and, and shifting gears. Absolutely. Uh, and it, it is incredibly hard in other races. And it doesn't mean we don't do it. Super PACs try to do it. But closer you get to, to election day, the less likely it is you're willing to pull out a control audience or do something like that. Right. Uh, but look, we, we always talk about late spend because that's when attention is happening. And that's 100% yeah, true. But there's also like fundraising is driven by that late attention as well. So sometimes we sure. just don't have the money till then. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you're just waiting and, for it to come in. Yeah. And where these presidentials are going to be plush with cash from, from day one and their teams actually will have the ability uh, to do real testing. I think watching their placements and understanding how heavy they're going into CTV is, is really interesting. Um, you know, you have to take everything with a grain of salt because they are going to be buying at levels that no other industry would ever buy at. Yeah, right. So the scale's a little bit out of whack. Yeah, the scale is definitely out of whack. And then I think another thing that's interesting in our space that, you know, it's just very unique to us. We have these super PACs and, you know, they get treated differently than the campaigns when it comes to buying television. So they are buying in a competitive market, whatever the price may be at the time they place, versus a campaign who is awarded the the lowest unit rate. Right. And so super PACs in these final months could be paying three, four, five, six, or more X what the campaign is buying. And so, wow. you know, as you see those prices go up, that type of pricing has not moved to the CTV space yet. Right. So should super PACs actually be spending way larger amounts of their budget now that CTV is having scale there and allowing the campaign to spend less there? Now you can't coordinate. So like all of a sudden now you're starting to have a creative question like, well, I can't do that because now I'm throwing off my creative balance. Like, so it, it, I was just going to say the frequency thing is going to be a big problem. Very yeah. messy, very complicated. It's already pretty messy as it is for regular advertisers on CTV. But yeah, yeah this, the, if you're talking about this volume, it's going to be wild. Yeah. Um, but there are some, you know, price pressures that could push some of these super packs into some heavy CTV buying. Wow. Uh, so good Good luck to us all who are just trying to enjoy a TV show around uh, <laughs> October this year. Oh, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be wild. Uh, and, you know, a lot of congressional races on the map as well so there will there will only be so many people who are completely untouched yeah. by things. well ryan god bless you this year good luck it's gonna be sounds like thank you're gonna you. need some sleep uh but thanks so much for your time great conversation and maybe we'll check in with you closer to the uh closer to the big day sounds good thanks for everything you do in the industry big thanks to my guest this week targeted victories ryan meerstein and my partners at publica if you like this week's episode please take a moment to rate and leave a review we have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more on what's next in media.